On this episode of Estate of Control, we talk about how programmers can work together to collaborate, whether it's sharing information or teaming up on projects. There is more to the sum than the individual parts. All that and more on Estate of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 66, In the Trenches. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about the benefits and also the risks of programmers who team up or work together, collaborate on projects, or, or just share knowledge. Um, so with me to discuss this intriguing subject are, is one familiar guest and another one that's new to the program. But before we uh, introduce them, I'm going to say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control. He's none other than Rich Fergoza. Uncle Richie, how are you today? I'm good. Melig West Coast greetings. It's uh, it's good to be back. Good to have uh, these characters on. So I'm sure a couple of stories will be shared momentarily, and I'm looking forward to to hearing about them. We definitely don't have a lack of stories here. Uh, next is a returning guest, somebody who's uh, a familiar face on our show. He is Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. How are you today, Bernard? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, glad to have you. And last but not least, someone who's new to the show, but not new to the AV industry for sure. Uh, somebody I know for quite some time, uh, and we've even worked together on an Infocom presentation. Uh, he is John Mishner from Rocking M Coding. Welcome, John. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. So as an, the industry has evolved, um, the breadth of technology ha- has definitely become greater and more diverse and uh, business has become uh, more challenging, has been moving at a faster pace. There's a need for added bandwidth and scheduling challenges. And also really no programmer can exist today on an island. There's just so much to know. So one of the trends has been that programmers have started working together in different capacities, whether it's in a community of sharing knowledge or even teaming up on projects. So Rich, let's start off by talking about, I know this is something that you've experienced and, and, and is part of the way that, that you've worked with clients before, but let's talk about how somebody goes about even considering the strategy. Well, I mean, I think the first part is just organizationally, um, whether you know, you're an independent or whether you're a programming house is is allowing yourself to collaborate. I think that there is a little bit of ego that occurs um, starting out and and a little bit of, um, there's a sense of ownership, right? You know, when guys write their code, their first thought is, you know, it's like my precious, my precious, you know, it's like they can't have my codes. And uh, 
you, you know, that's that first part is getting back is over it. And I think that, you know, programmers are just a unique personality type all alone. I mean, typically they work uh, in solitude, you know, teamwork is not something that somebody who goes into computer science is necessarily attuned for, right? You know, I mean, they, they, you don't get a, a poli-sci major who's into public speaking who then says, oh yeah, I'm going to code while I'm at it. You know, they're pretty distinct personality types. So, you know, a, a part that comes with it is changing it from mine and, and that inward approach to expanding and, and being open to learning. Uh, and I think that, I think programmers are lifelong learners. And I think that you, you have to tweak that. You have to be willing to say, there is somebody out there who may be better or who brings something different. And I've got to be open to um, kind of taking, it, it kind of taking a, 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 an introspective look at, you know, this can make me better. This can make me more, more valuable. This can grow my business. This can, you know, I may not see the immediate benefits now, but I may see them two, three, five, ten years down the line. I know personally for me, that's where it came from, is that once I became open to operating outside of my bubble, um, I had a whole new resource group to draw from because these were people who, although technically they may be competitors, we weren't necessarily on the same project or even in the same region. They were cool cats. They were willing to help. And, and I think that as you have suffered uh, together collectively, um, you know, people that you do want to collaborate don't want you to go down that same path. They, they do want you to say, here are the problems that I had. Here's how we can step through it together. And all things come out in the wash. And I'm sure sooner or later, you're going to call me. So the big part, honestly, is, is, is organizationally, is, is being open to collaboration. I think once you start building that mindset and that culture, you then start spotting the opportunities and then those opportunities build upon each other. And, you know, it's, it's so simple, but sometimes it needs, you know, you need to overstate the obvious on that one is you got to want to work with somebody. So, so Bernard, let, let's um, talk a little bit about what Rich just said, because I think he brought up a lot of good points. I mean, one is there, there's definitely uh, a, a different difference in mindset and, and also, you know, there's certainly an added benefit of being able to gain from others' experience. But from a, from a business standpoint, uh, how does this help you to be able to, to be more effective? Well, I think what's really unique in our industry, in our business, is that you're just not writing code. You actually have to understand interface and you have to understand the hardware. So, in this, in our industry, what's really unique is that you have to understand all three, and it's hard to master all three. So just from that piece alone, I could be a great coder, but I may not be able to do anything on the interface. So if I can write code, but yet my interface doesn't make any sense, the system as a whole does not work well. And that right there opens up the, the door to say, okay, it's hard to – it's almost impossible to master all three. So I have to be able to understand where my strengths and weaknesses are and then complement that in some other way, either with staff or collaborating with others or just kind of reaching out to get a hand. And I think that's where this industry, if you come back 15, 20 years ago, the interfaces were not as complex as they are today, nor the interface requirements. So you could get away with not necessarily knowing Photoshop, right? You do that today, if you just have a, if you go look at an interface that was done 20 years ago, look at it now, 
you have to have a graphics. You have to understand the difference in UI and UX, and you have to make sure that the system works as a congruent system. And that right there, you can't master keeping up with all the different code languages that come out on top of all the different UI requirements and things that are shifting and understand all the hardware. It's You can't be a master of all three at the same time. And that right there, in order to make be successful in delivering the project, means that in some type of form, you have to collaborate somewhere, either if you're a sole proprietor, a single programming shop, a big programming house, independent, uh, or versus a staff programmer. That alone, what we just said, you, that programmer can't master all three. And just as far as the technology turning over and over as quick as it does here, opens it up for collaboration right there. So John, I'll bring you into this conversation. I, you know, I think that it's very clear that we're basically saying a lot about the fact that nobody can really do anything. Uh, and nobody, nobody could be a, a master at everything. And, and there's, there's so much to learn and gain and, and have, uh, and have these different resources available to you. But how, what, when, if, if you are um, going to be looking at a task and you say, I'm, I'm trying to, figure out how to best approach this, what are the ways that you would go about finding maybe the right partner or, or even um, trying to find some way of being able to get, get help that you would need? Well, the key is, I mean, to start early and start interfacing with people, I mean, in groups like this and, and masters and things like that, to get a group of people that you're comfortable around. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a handful of people that I'll go to for uh, knowledge-based sakes and in case that I just don't know how to code that particular thing or uh, time for a sole proprietor. Time is the biggest issue. So if I need to collaborate with a group who can go on site for me or whatever like that, but I've made a lot of those contacts up front and early and then you know, risked trying one and evaluating afterwards, did it work, did it not work? You know, what are the conditions under which it may work again or may not work again, and things like that. Uh, but you, as Rich said, you have to be open to trying it and just going out and start making phone calls and start talking to people. So Bernard, uh, it, let, let's uh, dig a little bit deeper, I think, into some of the risks. Um, and, and, you know, we, we talk about uh, that, that people are protective. There's, um, that, there's definitely different styles of doing things. And, and also, you know, if you are putting yourself out there and, and trying and, and vouching for somebody, there, there's you know, it, it certainly some not, not only risk, but also some trepidation that goes along with that, right? So um, but what, what's you know, to, kind of to John's point, you have to try and see and evaluate, but, but how, how do you go about um, uh, uh, bring somebody on board with you to, uh, and, and even giving them access to your, your important client? Well, I think it all starts with communication and understanding the scope of the project. And I think what's really interesting when you go to events such as Masters or Infocom or anything like that, typically the programmers don't mind sharing information. And that's the one unique thing in our industry, especially with the programming community, is that 
we welcome people sharing information. You want to share that information because you like, I got stuck on this one thing for eight hours because there was a typo in the protocol manual. Us as a community, we, we like to share that information. It automatically starts like that because I can't tell you the number of times that you've been somewhere with a bunch of programs that I just never can control X. Oh, did you look here? Did you see this? There's a typo in the manual. And that just seems to be naturally in our community that people want to share that not tribal knowledge to kind of progress things forward because of the fact that it's hard enough to keep everything moving. And I think when we look at the risk involved here, I think it comes down to comes down to communication. And first, as me looking for the resource to help, I have to understand the scope of the project. And what I'm asking this person to do and be very clear is like, look, here's the overall scope of the project, but here's this piece of the pie I really need you to own. And basically be able to break it apart, explain the deliverable, explain the timeline and the constraints. I think that's really where it starts and stops right there, being able to be able to slice that piece up and make sure they understand what their piece of that is. And if I can't articulate it and put it on paper, then it's going to fail from the get-go. And that's the biggest risk, I think, is understanding uh, project scope and definition when we look to collaborate with each other. And Richard, if I can jump in, sure. the corollary to that is that there has to be one primary contact. There has to be one person who owns the code. And they have to develop that scope, and they have to parse out, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. But ultimately, it's one person whose name's on the project, one person who owns that code, one person who's responsible for his subs, just like any other, you know, uh, contracting firm would be responsible for the work of the subs. Yeah, that's a great point, John. I got I, 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 I think you hit the nail on the head there because at the end of the day, as programmers, as we communicate and we do our individual deliverable, someone has to establish, I'm the general, I'm the coach, and I'm going to put all these pieces together. And because this gentleman finished up his piece, he may be done, but then you need to be – that person needs to be the journal to glue that together to deliver a cohesive system at the end. And that's hard for us. We're not used to, you know, talking like that. We're not used to opening up like that. We're not used to, you know, saying, I want you to do this and, and being open to that type of, uh, of collaboration, so – yeah, and it's funny because you know I've worked on projects. Me and John have worked on a project together before, and it, you know, once that barrier is broken down, it's really easy to to, to decide who's doing what, and then also communicate what you're not comfortable with. I think the biggest risk is people us not communicating what part we're not comfortable with, and being able to put that in the forefront of the conversation. I'm not comfortable with the deadline. I'm not comfortable with this one piece. I think the biggest risk is the lack of communication of saying, what can't I do and put that to the forefront and deal with it first. Because there's so many times in coding, I'm just going to comment this section out and I'm going to keep on going down and then I'll come back to it. But if we're collaborating and we're defining deliverables and putting that out, that's got to be first. We can't comment that out and come back to it. We got to hit it first. Mm -hmm. So Rich, uh, I'll let you kind of chime in on this too. Um, from a client's perspective, is it important that they know that programmers are working together or is it better that they don't know? I don't think most clients care. Uh, you know, I mean, unless you are in a environment, you know, unless you're in a secure environment, um, you know, I mean, it, it does depend on the type of project itself. 
um, where we've noticed the difference is as long as they feel they're being taken care of, as long as there's one voice, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like the whole band adage, you know, one voice, one sound, as long as there's one voice, one sound coming through. Um, then at that point, I think most clients appreciate, hey, they're doing everything it takes to get this done. And, and it's just a matter of whoever's quarterback in your coaching to be able to convey that and say, look, you've given me a compressed timeline. You've given me a set of conditions that I have to meet. Uh, in order for us to make you happy, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And so I think that as long as you are proactive about the process, most clients understand that, hey, you know, working together is a good thing. Uh, I, I think that the fears, uh, again, of the programming companies that come through um, might necessarily create these false fears, you know, these false obstacles. Um, when you present it as a positive, when you present it as a solution, uh, and, you know, and again, I, our feeling always is, is, you know, we present it. I am, I am, I am just uh, here to serve up information. I, 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 you know, I'm not paying for this. So if this is something that you're paying for, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to put the solutions in front of you. Uh, I'm going to give you the ability to make an intelligent decision. Ultimately, it's your decision. And we come out that, at it that way. Do you want just me because I have to be there and you don't want to deal with the security issues and, um, you know, it, you know, we got to run checks on everybody and everything else and we can't have, you know, people you don't know in the building. We, we had a project in San Francisco in a, in a pretty high profile building. That was a concern. You know, it's, it's they wanted to know who was there because there was sensitive information in that building. Uh, and so we had to have a discussion about, okay, you're telling me X, <laughs> I can give you Y, how are we going to get from here to there? And we came to a solution and we figured it out. But again, and, and it comes back to what John and Bernardo were saying is you do need to have somebody who's up front. You do need to have a coach. You need to have that single voice, that unifying voice. And interestingly enough, and, and Steve, you can, you can attest to this, is that that unifying voice may not be the main programmer anymore. You know, as companies are changing as companies are developing you know i mean i coined the term digital concierge you know decades ago because at some times in a project my greatest value is not the doing my greatest value is the collaborating my greatest value is the translation is being able to say these guys are hot shots you know this is this is who i want on my team you've got this that needs to get done i can do it I just think it's a better, you know, it's, it's, it's a better way for you to spend your money is if you give me the opportunity to bring in some hotshots, to bring in an A team, to, to, to get it done. It's like, do you want the D team? You know, you want the A team. And at that point, um, you make the difference. And, and interestingly enough, it's like when you guys were talking, the biggest change that I've seen that's allowed for collaboration is two things. One is the fact that we now have, um, processors or or programming cycles that are not tied to one master program and that was huge because in the old days you know again going back 25 years right you had two beat options that one processor to the ground you beat that one processor to the ground and nobody else could touch it so maybe you had two people one person on ui one person on code but that was it that was as far as you could collaborate physically in terms of the tools that were available once we went into multiple slot programming, module programming, subroutines, et cetera, all of a sudden, once you have the ability for a subroutine to fit into a main routine, 
then you opened up the ability for true collaboration, right? Then you could go into version control software and you could go ahead and create a scrum. You know, you could go ahead and create a project line where you have three programs that are out. They're all running. You wait for somebody to commit. You bring it in. You've got hooks. All of a sudden, then we're using true software collaboration tools. Now, again, in the tech industry, still 20 years behind the time. They've been doing it forever. <laughs> we're finally catching up. Um, so that's a big one. And, and for me, that's where a lot of the value has come from, where I've been able to say, hey, for once, I can say, I'm working on this, maybe the main code, the traffic cop, right? The gazintas to the gazautas, right? Now, you have X over here. I need you to focus on these shade controls that we've never seen before. I need you to work on this building management system that we haven't necessarily dealt with. I need you to work with on these lighting components. And then all of a sudden, and you know, ready break, everybody's in the huddle, you know, away we go. It's huge. The second one, which surprised the heck out of me, was social media. Social media and instant messaging and communication tools. Because uh, again, if you do have the loners, if you have the ones who aren't the best at talking things out, all of a sudden, we, you know, as an example, like when I collaborate with other companies, the first thing that I build is a Slack channel on the project because then I am able to have everybody talking and not remembering conversations. I have you know, a history, a log, things that everybody can refer to that say if Bernard is just head deep in something and he can't be distracted, but it's important that he gets this information, when he takes a breather, he can look up, pull up what's going on and go, oh, cool, I'm on it, or I've got a question, or this. Those tools, um, oddly, you know, Facebook, you know, before that, Yahoo, you know, Yahoo had a uh, kind of an email list that's been together yeah. for 20 years, 20 something odd years, you know, it was a repository, but it wasn't dynamic, right? People would put a question and then they wait for somebody to answer. But all of a sudden we found that pay, you know, and again, I come back to it as it really is that pay it forward mentality, right? I, I can count off the top of my head, at least a dozen instances where because of Twitter or because of Facebook or because of some instant messaging platform and somebody had a question or was in the weeds that I was able to message them and say, Hey, you know what? Give me a call, you know, or, or, or send me this. And all of a sudden solve the problem for them, help them out, help them rubber duck it so they could figure it out themselves. But that created value in a relationship where it wasn't there before. And then as time progressed, it became a working relationship. And, you know, I mean, there's a dozen people I can list off the top of my head that that's where it started. Just out of a fluke conversation that somebody was in the weeds, I had been there and I didn't want somebody to go through that same problem like Bernard was seeing. Uh, and so the tools are now out there that if you make the effort, you can grow your network. Um, you know, it's no longer that excuse. Well, how do I find everybody? But, oh, it's there. But I, you know what's really interesting as we talk about this? I think the programming community, the AV programming community, has been doing this for years. Ever, I mean, you take it back to the GUI gallery. I mean, we've been doing this as programmers for a long time, collaborating on projects. I just think it's become uh, more mainstream now, and people are more uh, know what's happening. But I think programmers in the AV industry have been collaborating together for a long time, and just no one knew about it. But now it's just becoming to the forefront because I can think of a number of things. Fifteen years ago, I would reach out to somebody. It's like, hey, 
can you take my Hubba Bubba graphics and make it look good? I mean, that, that was very common back then. I mean, people, you know, people were known in the industry. This is the graphics guy. This is your animation guy, right? And us as programmers knew that, but I don't think that was known ex externally to the programming, AV programming community. But I think we've, as, a, as AV programmers, have been doing this for a long time. Now it's just become more mainstream. So, you know, with, with that said, has it, is there, and, and um, John, I'll bring you in on this, is that, it, you know, the, the collaboration part, I think, you know, has, has existed and, and, you know, we've even done shows on the fact that we have a community and that, and how, how really the, you know, as Bernard alluded to, the programmers have, have kind of bond together and they, and, and they're, you know, they, they, uh, they feel comfort in, in even going to events and, and, and spending more time learning from each other than they learn from maybe the presentations. Um, but when did it become a business strategy, you know, and, and because I think that that's where things kind of change a little bit, helping somebody out is good, but now when you're, when they become almost a business, almost a partner, you know, it becomes a little bit of a different level of responsibility. Yeah. And for me and my business, it became a business strategy when I got one very large project that I couldn't commit to completing on my own. And actually at the time I was, um, we had two people who were bidding on a project and we ended up just saying, how about if we just collaborate instead, that way we can split it in half. I can do, you know, X amount over here, you can do X amount over there. And that ended up to be a wonderful relationship. And so since then, from a business perspective, you start to realize, okay, wait a minute, I just got twice the amount of work done in the same time period um, with no additional, you know, company resources. So I need to start looking for ways to collaborate uh, again and again to be able to do this. I think this, the smartphone made it more that the requirement came out with this because because of the, at that point people saw so much technology and it became so accessible the ante got up so high at that point that it had to say it's hard for me to keep up with all the different technology spinoffs i think that the, the, the mobile the smartphone really pushed us to kind of go above and beyond and it continues to do that because I can't tell you the number of times I walk into me, well, I can download this free app and it does it in 10 seconds, right? Um, that mentality and the Amazon Now effect, I call it, has pushed the fact that you have to collaborate these days to deliver on such accelerated timelines. But that's like the accelerated timelines, but the knowledge base, right? And between the smartphone and the Amazon Now syndrome, it's hard to keep up. So Bernard, I know that processes are important to you as they are to me, and I know that that you know everybody works a little bit differently. And I, you know we, we kind of talked about that somebody needed to to really be the leader. You know, what when does what you know is it is it that leader the one that actually has the opportunity, the one that defines how the project happens, or is it, or 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 is there another way of, of going about that? I think it depends on the project, but at the end of the day, in order to, to be successful, we have to work at it as a team, right? 
I think the key here is collaboration, and everybody has a seat at the round table. And I think that's the way you pull off a successful collaboration project. You know, everybody has a seat at the round table, and everybody has a, a vote and to see how we execute it. Because when you collaborate, really, if I'm doing if I'm doing the code, Rich is doing the UI, and John is doing the middleware. At the end of the day, if one of the three of us is behind, the project doesn't work. And I think that every everybody's got to have a seat at that round table to have that input to make sure everybody's moving in the same direction. And that's the only way I see it being successful. So, yeah, so the one, oh, excuse me. The one project I was uh, a part of in a collaboration perspective, and I, I got pulled in late as a collaboratee, not the collaborator. Um, it, uh, it failed pretty miserably. And it's because of that. It's because... The primary didn't take responsibility for it, didn't line up exactly what was going on. Every individual programmer that came in thought that they were their own programmer and had a better way of doing what was in the program. So when you went, and it was a multi-story building, when you went floor by floor, every floor's program was different. There was none of the, okay, we're, we're moving forward in lockstep, um, uh, this is how it's going to be done. Yes, there's probably better ways to do this, but we need to keep this the same. We need to keep the program the same. And it just was a very bad experience all in all, uh, which ultimately resulted in a lot of overwork and a lot of rework and bugs being found, you know, 30 floors of bugs instead of one floor of bugs that can be repaired and then duplicated type thing. So, yeah. Like power on needs to be joined one on one across the building, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'd offer though that those were good experiences for a simple reason. Um, you now can come back and relate a story. And so if you are working with somebody who hasn't done it before and you're coming in as a team member, you can sit down for five minutes and go, let me tell you a story. Mm, yeah. You know, sit, <laughs> yeah, sit next to Uncle John, right? You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give you honorary uncle status, right? You know, everybody knows to come talk, talk to Uncle Richie. I'm going to make you an honorary Uncle John, right? And you sit down, you go, let me tell you a story, you know, long ago, you know. <laughs> um, those to me. Far, far away. Yeah, in a land far, far away. <laughs> those to me, that means more than the success. Because sometimes you can get lucky, you know. I've said it many times. I've, you know, I, I've many times where I've been lucky instead of good, you know. And you can get lucky, and you get the right team, and you get the right person in front, and you know, you get the synergy, and stuff comes together. For me, the 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 meat, the experience, what makes you a professional is when you have crashed and burned, absolutely crashed and burned. It sucked at the time, but you have become so much more valuable. You've created potentially a much greater chance for profitability for all of your companies because y'all screwed it. Y'all messed it up. And it's like, all right, we got our asses handed to us. What did we learn? You know, the, the, and I've always felt that the postmortem of a project is the most important part, right? When you can do, um, you know, when, when you can go in and you can functionally look at where did we really have problems? And how can we take it forward? How can we make ourselves more valuable? Hopefully you're not doing it on the client's time. You never want to, you never want to waste somebody's money. Um, but at the same time, from a longevity standpoint, if you're going to keep that client, you're going to move all those ways through, that's where your lessons come from. 
you know, because you, you know, you, you don't necessarily learn from success. You learn from failure. And especially in collaboration, learning how to deal with personalities, learning to deal with somebody and kind of shining that face. And they went, I'm not really good at juggling things. I'm really good at being over here. So I need to find somebody who's good at the juggling part so I can do the stuff that I really like, that I can hit my groove, that I can hit my stride. And that's when, and that's what I was talking about initially about that ego part, right? Everybody thinks that they can be the quarterback. Everybody thinks that they can be the coach, but it's until you're actually doing it that you learn that maybe you have something to learn. Maybe you are better as a collaborator. And, and that's a, 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 as a business owner, you know, dealing with four business owners in front of me and sometimes in our audience or smaller companies like myself um, who, you know, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Cause you know, half the time you started working for yourself cause you found out you were a lousy employee. So, um, to go off to go off the line that you said there, Rich, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I think, yeah, everybody wants to be the quarterback, but the game is won in the trenches by the line. And, and I think that's the key of collaboration, right? The, the line wins the game, not the quarterback. So I, I, you know, I, I think uh, I, one of the things I did want to touch on, and, and we're going to have to wrap up uh, because of, of uh, the amount of time we've been speaking, but but I think it's important to understand what are the gotchas. So and and that it, you know that it does take a different mentality, a different perspective, and and you, you can't go in there to Bernard's point as a bunch of individuals. You have to go in as a team. Um, so thank you guys. This has been a, a great conversation, and I'm glad that we were able to uh, share some real in-depth perspectives and experiences on this topic. Um, I first like to thank Bernard uh, Morgan for being part of the show. Uh, Bernard from ICS Plus. Who? How can people get in touch with you or learn more about your company? I guess the best place is the website at www.icsplusonline.com. Very good. Uh, John Mishner, hope this was a good experience for you. How can people get in touch with you? Learn more about Rockingham Coding. It's www.rockinghamcoding.com. And last but not least, Rich, another great show. So uh, thanks for being a part of it and being here with me. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to? Uh, well, you know, like I said, this is this is near and dear to my heart. You know, I, I like I like I like playing with the boys. Um, it's, it's always fun. Um, best place to find me, obviously, for GosaDesign.com. You can find me on Twitter or in the interwebs at rfragosa. You can type in my name and stuff crops up. Some of it you may want to see. Some of it you may want to shield your eyes. Um, but first and foremost, and most importantly, um, the best places to find us are here at AV Nation. Obviously, our show is State of Control, AV Week, Resi Week, where I am sometimes uh, showing up there. Um, but yeah, absolutely, please come to avnation.tv. That is where I hope you can find me more than any place else. And I couldn't agree more. So uh, to find me, Steve Greenblatt, you can find, uh, go to my website, controlconcepts.net. And, uh, but, but as Rich said, please visit the website, avnation.tv and uh, acknowledge the supporters that make this program and all the other programs on this media channel possible. Um, there's a, a lot of great content there and a lot more as we approach more of the industry trade show season and there'll be a lot to see. Um, also, uh, Rich and I would like to hear from you. So please reach out to us, let us know what is happening and what you want to know more about and what you like about the show. So uh, I tend to run into people and uh, provide feedback, but it'd be great to get uh, some 
consistent conversation going and, and even follow up on some of these topics. Um, if you are so inclined, you can leave us a rating as well. And we'd, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Um, my, my social media uh, contacts are very easy, just at Steve Greenblatt. So that'll be it for today for State of Control.